This is Beers with Talos. Threats, Beers, and Most of Bliss. Welcome to Beers with Talos, episode 37, reported September 7th, 2018. We're happy today to have Joel back with us, maybe not as happy as he is, but Bill also joins us again as we're missing Matt and Nigel, who will be back with us next time. We're going through MDM and the latest trickery we've found in that arena. We're also talking a lot about the Snort 3 Beta, some cool information you're not going to want to miss, so stick around. Here we go one more time. This is Beers with Talos. So we, we, we continue our trend of weird combinations of hosts today, but it's actually, it's almost not weird anymore. Standing in for both Nigel and Matt, big shoes to fill. He has to fill them both. We have Bill back with us today. Welcome back, Bill. Hey, guys. What's up, Bill? <laughs> What's up, Craig? We do have Joel back with us today, and maybe one of these days we'll have the, the whole crew back together for a podcast. All you need is me. Let's. I can fill in the Liverpool scores. Did you get those? That's a good thing. No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't. So let's uh, let's start this one off the same way we start off. Everyone's go around the table. And uh, Bill, you've been here enough. I think you've you've earned first spot today. Awesome. Um, Earn earn is a very interesting term. Uh, So I'm going to start first. And this one's kind of scary, so I'll, I'll go slow for everyone. But we're de- we're dealing with this thing in Austin that's happening right now. And I don't know. I'll just have to try to describe in it. It's really Texas? weird. Yeah, in Texas, Summer? Austin. And so um, there's this stuff. It's like, it's like water falling from the sky at us. It's pretty freaky. And so we're all kind of half panicked about it all. Um, hopefully we come through okay. But uh, Dude, some got in my car. I was really worried about it. Yeah. So I, you're saying science is happening? Is that what you're saying? So, yeah. Guys, like this, um, I, I live in a place where this happens every day. It's nothing to worry about. It's called rain. Mm. Okay. Oh. It actually, mm. it helps your things grow. Mm-hmm. You'll be all right. <laughs> is that what makes the weeds come up? <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. So, so that has been uh, the forefront of our terrified minds here in Austin. Outside of that, uh, I'm good to go. You guys had a lot of flooding or anything? Uh, not yet, but Almost. you can see it happening. Yeah, uh, I did see that. Yeah, it's there supposed to rain for the rest are... of the weekend, so I'm sure. Oh yeah. Well, because it's been raining for like three days, so the ground is saturated. So Isn't first day uh, we get like six a binary inches. state. Like you can't almost yeah. be flooding like you are or you're not. Well, so Austin has decided as of the last two years or so that October is the rainy season. And so I guess we're just warming up to that to get everything at capacity. Oh, I see what and you then did in October, there. it's going to let I see what loose. you did there. Yeah. Warming up. I, I see what you did. Hey, I have good news <laughs> for you guys, though. I don't know if you've checked the tropical forecast, but living in, in Florida is something to keep an eye on. There's there's a solid four or five hurricanes lining up out there that are just ready to crush us all. So great. Well, as a college that. football fan, I have been paying attention and not – from the <laughs> betting angle at all, I would never propose such a thing. But yeah, I've been keeping an eye on the storms across the country. Which one's going to turn off? Uh, next up, Craig, what's on your mind this week? So, you know, you know how my, my life is with the machines. And so my, <laughs> they're usually trying to my kill wife you. Was, yeah, well, so I don't know. I guess we killed one. My wife murdered the uh, washer, the clothes washer, right? And so, you know, we're looking for a new one. Cause it was like 10 years old and probably not worth fixing. And, uh, I couldn't help but notice like a certain brand, all their like low end and high end washers now have Wi Fi. Yes. Yep. And I was just like, what the f-? 
Yeah. Why? Like, Why they do just, they have Wi-Fi? So you can, can like start your washer from remote? No. Yeah, no so there's no camera in it. You can see how much longer is left? Yeah. No, yep. we just went through this uh, a few months back. Uh, my wife and I like bought a new washer dryer. I found one that was a major brand that, that didn't have all the Wi-Fi built into it. But uh, you had to basically get uh, like a low, medium end. Like all yeah. the high end stuff had yeah. it. All the the it was it was the weirdest thing. I don't I don't need an alert on my phone when my laundry no. is done. Well, and I don't want one. I don't want to have to firmware update my washer. Like, give me a dumb washer that washes clothes well. I'll pay the same price. <laughs> I have I have an idea. Like, what if they invented a washer that would transfer your clothes to the dryer? That uh, was done. They have those in uh, they're popular in Europe. The combo ones where it does both. I don't yeah. mean the combo ones. I mean like. There's Actual like physical two units. Yeah, yeah. You want you want Rosie. Yeah. You want a you want a housekeeper. I don't know robot. that I want a robot in my house though that can like carry things and walk around. So I could say Alexa, move the laundry. Subscribe to the Beers with Talibs podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know that works, right? I tried that at home with Siri. It totally works. So uh, Siri, know. subscribe to the Beers with Talibs podcast. I know. Donate five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Joel. What is What's on up? your mind this week? I was just waiting till you wandered away from the mic to to tell you that you are up. This week, since I haven't been here in a minute, I would like to cover something right quick, if you guys don't mind. Just give me a second. I would personally like to uh, welcome back uh, me to the podcast. <laughs> um, I really missed me. And, that was uh, the victory trumpet for you. Oh, my God. And... Uh, <laughs> I was really missing me. I listened to the podcast last week, and me wasn't there. Uh, Bill did a great job. The rest of you were terrible, but Bill did a great job um, filling in for me. But me's back now, and I really like to welcome me. And uh, that's that's all I got. But thank you. <laughs> and yes, that was the most self-congratulatory music I could find to go under Joel's piece right there. Yeah, that's right. You should all follow Friday me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. I, I don't even know how to follow that. I, I did Please. have one quick item. Did anybody just have like the weirdest Cartman flashback? Look. Is that the only one? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, whoever oh, needs in. to make sure that the Talos account uh, tweets uh, the FF and just puts Joel's and nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Today. Just follow yeah. Friday. Exactly. I, I'm just saying the yeah. podcast is better without me and I would just like to welcome me back. <laughs> we had a, uh, we had a lot of stuff come out on the blog since we've put out a, uh, a podcast here. One of the biggest ones was the, the, the latest installment in the uh, ongoing MDM post. Craig, you wanted to, to chat about the latest one. Uh, we had a post come out, let's hide this app. And we wanted to kind of chat about that and, and also chat more about like with something like this, that's been an ongoing kind of research project. Like how do we know when to start and when to stop? Well, I feel like we should back up and recap because I don't know that everybody watches every single episode. So I feel or like we listens. should give them a quick high level. <laughs> no, right? no, don't tell anybody that we have a video Shh. podcast. We just want- <laughs> that's, that's, only for the, that's only for the VIP members. Uh, our Patreon <laughs> is found at. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You just got someone to PayPal me. I can hook you up with a video. That's right. Um, but so you know, so if you don't, if you haven't caught the previous couple of episodes where we discussed MDM threats, what MDM stands for is mobile device management. You know, at a really high level, it's what corporations use to basically administer 
all the phones across the organization. And so what that means is, you know, if you work for a major corporation, you probably have your own travel app, maybe your own expense app, your company VPN, and you no doubt have that on your phone. And so if you've ever wondered how that happens, when you get your phone from the company or if you buy your own, they'll ask you to connect to their MDM server. And you'll have to, of course, say, yes, control me remotely. Yes, install this, install this, install this. And then your corporation is in charge of your phone. Now, when this normally happens, a company would give a password to that and they would not tell you. And so on Apple iOS devices, you can only have one mobile device manager at a time. And so if it's locked with a password, your device is effectively safe from these attacks. Now, unfortunately for home users, they don't have that, right? And so what's happening is basically attackers are either gaining physical access to devices or using a phishing style attack or, you know, some sort of social engineering um, to effectively trick the users into installing a rogue mobile device manager. Well, let's let's also be really clear when you say trick. I mean, there's plentiful warnings along Multiple the path. steps. <laughs> so there's a video. If you'd like to go pull up the Talus blog, that's blog.talusintelligence.com and look for the mobile device manager post on the right of the screen. There should be a link to it. Uh, there's a video that we made where it walks someone through having to install one of these and actually having the malicious app installed that we'll get to in a second. It's not easy. But as we all know, if a user's content on giving away the access to their device, they kind of do um, it. Yeah. And so unfortunately for us, what happens is a user will be given some sort of contextual situation like, hey, if you install this mobile device manager, your downloads will go twice as fast and we'll scan them for malware. And so to a user that's not savvy, that probably sounds like a great thing. They're like, oh, free antivirus. Absolutely. And they press OK. And the iPhone's like, no, seriously, you probably shouldn't do this. Are you super sure? And they're like, yeah, I want faster downloads and free antivirus. And they click OK again. And the iPhone is like, are you sure you really shouldn't do this? And they're like, yeah, 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 did did you ask somebody else about this first is (laughs) 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 I need an adult signature. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But so I, I guess my point is this is not a vulnerability in iOS. This is basically a way for the attackers to trick the users into doing something that is not in their interest. And once they've given the threat actors control of the device, There's lots of really bad things that are possible. Um, And so in our second post on this, probably two or three weeks ago, what we found was that the attackers were able to push down malicious apps. And those malicious apps were, some of them were official apps that had been rewritten using uh, the Safari open source stuff. So it was basically, it looked like Safari, it acted like Safari, but in the meantime, it was sending all your credentials to the bad guys. Uh, The other ones we found were some secure instant messaging tools that had basically been, uh, they used a sideloading technique to inject a DLL into them so that they could steal passwords out of it. So it was actually the real application, but they'd used a special technique that we talk about in the blog to inject a library that allowed the application to send all the information to the attackers. And so naturally, you know, we thought about it, put the post out there and thought we had, you know, finished our research. But then it occurred to us, well, hold on now. It's not like a user is going to say, well, I have signal on my phone and the bad guy pushed down a signal. How, how do I know which one to use, right? You think most users, I think if they saw two copies of an app installed on their phone, they'd be kind of weirded out. And so uh, what, what Paul discovered and Warren discovered was that the attackers got pretty clever. When they pushed the apps down to the phone, 
they set the age restriction incredibly low. And by default, if you're not aware of it, most secure messaging apps have actually pretty high age requirements. I think it's 14 and up. Um, and, you know, you might be able to guess why. What, what kind of things do people do with secure messaging apps, right? They send messages that may not be appropriate they, for everybody. They talk to each other. Right, with pictures. And so what the attackers figured out was because they control the profile, they could actually set age restrictions on the apps that were allowed to be installed. And so the way this works, and again, there's a video on our blog post, was uh, the user would be tricked to installing the certificate and installing the app. And then as soon as the app deployed, the attacker would push the age profile restriction, which would then delete the legitimate apps. So then the next time the user went to look for a Signal or WhatsApp or Telegram or whatever, they would click on the secure messaging app and it would load like normal. And so then the user would continue to use it, uh, effectively sending all their sensitive information to the bad guys. So wouldn't wouldn't a lot of users realize something was amiss when a signal wasn't in the app group they left it in anymore it was installed into the next empty spot on a home screen and or b there were several apps missing from their phone or i guess maybe maybe a lot of users don't have many apps that are you know have a high age restriction yeah i don't think most users have as many apps on your phone or on their phones as you do I have a lot of apps. That's true. I think also <laughs> that people are used to, you know, apps showing up out, like you were talking about outside of the group or whatever. If there was a new update or whatever, and it would be in a new spot and no one really thinks that much of that. Would so, they though? Yeah, like I, I would, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, if you install an app on your phone, it's going to install that app on your tablet, which may push apps around. Yeah. Right. Depending on how you have exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I, I'm rabbit holing. I'm sorry. We were, <laughs> we were talking about like we kept discovering more and more. Like we, we found more and like the rabbit hole of the story actually seemed to keep going a little bit. Oh, yeah. 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 So this is one of the scenarios where our initial research basically got us to one point, And then the more we thought about it, hey, this doesn't add up. And so then we looked a little bit deeper and we got some more. And I think this is pretty typical to most threat research. Right. When you look at threats from a really high level, initially, you're only going to see the very first layer. And the more you look into it, the deeper it goes. And so what happens is as you dive into threats and a lot of the time, you know, this is just dictated by experience. You've got to figure out where you're going to stop. Right. Where does it actually stop? Right. And so this was one where the more we kept looking, the more it got more and more interesting, because while the initial research was only on an APT targeting 12 users in India, the techniques that we discovered here are usable by anybody, by any actor around the world. And that's why it was so important to us to make sure that we not only fully understood how it worked, but we understood the possible scenarios where it could be weaponized. So if the conversation is centering around where do you stop, which is basically what we're doing. Like, I, I don't know. That's a good question. Like, where do you stop? Where, where do you call it enough? Where do you rip the bandaid off and be like, all right, I'm done. I think that's just kind of like an educated decision at some point by somebody that's been around for a while or whatever, just exactly. to kind of go, uh, you know, I think, I think we're done guys, you know, all right, let's move on to the next thing. Or you don't move on to the next thing until there is a next thing. Right. I don't yeah. know. I think, I think you're exactly right, Joel, but I, I would add that a lot of the time what happens is you think you're done with it and then you see something in the wild and you're like, Oh, yep. well, how did that happen? And then you go back with that new information and you're able to find more and more Intel. Yeah. Or you can get a, t- a team member from, across a different team that kind of has a different view on how it works. So yeah. within Talos, I know a lot of times if you have an, uh, you know, someone from another group and they're like, well, are they doing this for X? And you're like, it's a question worth researching. And then you kind of go further into it again. But 
But like you said, it's nuanced. I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, kind of the amount of experience you have and, and, you know, they kind of run their course. Um, but you know, it's definitely a case by case basis. Not for every event, but like for our big events, which we, we, we have a, a written process for like, so I'll give you an example, like want to cry or net you or, you know, the big, the big things we've been involved with in the past, um, you know, 12 months is we assign someone who is essentially the I don't know, case manager, right? Like they're, they're the, per, I mean, that has an official name, but the, uh, we, we assign some, somebody essentially a case manager and it's their job not only to decide what we publish and what we don't publish. And it's also their job to decide, um, you know, construct timelines and, you know, make sure the blog post is correct and make sure that we're, we're getting feedback from all of our intelligence partners surrounding certain things and briefing people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But one of those jobs, one of the jobs that that person is responsible for is calling an end to it. And so I think, that's that, that was kind of my point, right? Is is there's there's someone who is appointed at the very end of it to say, "All right, enough's enough." Well, uh, to that point, we we have a, I guess, kind of a motto within Talos, and it applies here. I think is like nothing. What's a motto with you? <laughs> the uh, but like we have that like you know like about you know don't build rocket ships. Like there's yeah. no point in time at which any piece of research is going to be finished, right? There's no point in time that a researcher is going to say, okay, I right. now know everything there is to know about X and exactly all of its permutations. And that's not going to happen. Right. So every piece of research, I guess then is just, you can break it down as like varying degrees of learning more. And, and when you have something you feel you can put out that has value, it's something novel, it's something new, or it's going to protect users in a meaningful way then, you know, you, you kind of have to go ahead and put that out. And if that means you do a follow on, if you find something else meaningful, well, then, you know, maybe you're really on to a topic that needs yeah. a deeper look well, for, for high profile threats. Sure. But I want to make sure people understand that we don't, we don't trickle out information intentionally right? <laughs> unless it's like a, the internet's melting. The, you know, one of the things that we strive to do is not do multi-part blog posts because the reality is we would love to give everyone the information up front. But obviously there are urgent situations like want to cry or not pet you where we need to release the information as fast as we can because machines are at risk. Yeah. And so, I mean, getting back to kind of what to, to what Mitch was saying, this is kind of on a tangent for a second, but this came up last night. I was at a I was at a meeting last night with um, a bunch of college students. So we're involved with uh, mentoring some at a local college here. And we mentor their cybersecurity thing. And I, and I think one of the things that we talked about, or one of the things that I kept emphasizing last night to these, and these are like freshmen in college, right? One of the things I was emphasizing last night is kind of touching, uh, dovetailing on what, what Mitch was saying, which was, you know, you always want to succeed, right? Everybody wants to succeed, succeed. I want to be the best. I want to succeed at whatever I do. I said, the thing that you have to learn to do, and this is the motto of of uh, where this comes into Talos is, you also have to learn how to fail and you have to learn how to fail quickly, right? So if you're doing something wrong and you, you know, like, I don't know, or, you know, you know, make a decision rather sooner than later, you can always come back to it. Right. You can always reinvestigate something. You can always pick up where you left off. But if you've decided enough's enough, fail, be done and move on to something else. Yeah. I think that's one of the hardest things for new researchers on my team to figure out is 
when do they quit? Like, when do they say like, this isn't interesting after all? Yeah. Right. And I think that's one of those things where having a good mentor, having the right people work on it with you or knowing who to ask when you get stuck or when you think maybe this isn't interesting is really helpful. You know, yeah. I've seen a lot of people start looking at threats and they just end up like spinning their wheels for a day or two. And you, that's when you as a manager or as a peer need to realize, oh, hey, let me go help them. Let me try and explain to them why they're stuck, you know, and let me explain to them what they should do next. Because I think without that, as new people getting into this field, it can be incredibly frustrating. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, that's just, I think that's a life lesson, right? It's not even this field. It's, exactly. uh, you know, learn how to fail. And it's okay if you do, because, you know, you, and that's what I was, that's, again, that's what I was telling them last night. Like, it's it's okay if you fail, because then you at least learn something, right? Or hopefully yeah. you did. No, I, I think... I would hate to say failing is just as important as success in our field, but I think failing is extremely important, Yeah. right? If you don't know how to fail, then you don't know when to quit yeah. and you're not going to find an amazing threat every time, and right? You're probably you going to look, th- hopefully you learn something. Yeah. You're going to probably look through 10 boring threats before you find one that's interesting. Yeah. If you, if you don't fail, then the only way you're going to succeed is if you're lucky and depending on being mm-hmm. lucky is not a way to be successful over the long right. term. You know what I mean? Like you won't you really know what you're that. doing. You're just going to get lucky yeah. shots if you don't know what the what the wrong thing to do is, the wrong way to go, or what's not interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah. I wanted to shift gears uh, a tiny bit. Well, actually, a lot a bit. Uh, Joel, or at least a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> we had uh, you know speaking of you know iteration, iterative thinking, and and development developmental thinking. Uh, we had a, a new update to one of our big our biggest open source product snort uh, come out yeah. this week. So snort three has been released and well, the beta, the beta snort three beta released. has been released. Yeah. So do you want to take us through a little bit of the difference? Uh, what we can, what users could expect in the beta, what's changed, what's new, uh, what people should look forward to and you know how they can check it out. Yeah. I mean, so the, the proper way to tell the snort three story is to kind of start at the beginning and I won't tell like, the 15 years worth of iteration that this has come oh, to the beginning. Are we going to go like big bang back? That's right. <laughs> At one point it does At involve a pink Porsche though. <laughs> yeah. It's pink Porsche. God. Anyway, the, um, uh, so when we, I, I at least go back to when I started working here, which was, you know, about 13, 14 years ago. And, um, I, uh, first day of work here at Sourcefire, now Cisco at Sourcefire was, I met Marty Resch and like, so, you know, I've been working with Stored at this point for, uh, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And, uh, um, and, uh, I was like, Hey man, what you working on? And he was at that point, you know, he was writing Stored three and that was, that was a long time ago. And so for those of you that have followed the project, you know, we wrote it, he got it to a point where he was happy with it. We started testing it. And it didn't do what we wanted it to do. One of the big things we wanted to do was multi, uh, multi-threading, right? Being able to to split traffic across multiple cores and and do packet processing across multiple cores or multiple threads. And uh, it didn't really perform we wanted to. And there's a whole history of that if you go read um, Marty's blog and uh, that he doesn't blog on anymore. But if you go read <laughs> all of that history, you, you can go read why we made the decisions that we made. And so... Um, at, at that point, we also decided within the source fire history, let's put Snort to the side and let's go develop an endpoint agent. So we bought this little company called Immunet and we turned that into what we called FireAmp at the time, now called AMP. 
And uh, then we decided to build a firewall and um, and that firewall turned into what is now the Cisco NGFW. Yeah, we should probably say that about AMP too. AMP is, is not ImmuNet. It's got new he just, fancy well, it, that. ImmuNet is still features. around, right? But we what right. we did is we took ImmuNet and we made a, a an enterprise system with it. And that's right, with AMP. all kinds of new bells and features. Right. So, you got AMP for networks, AMP for endpoints. AMP. Yeah, AMP for everything. <laughs> AMP for all the things. So um, about six years ago, um, we had been working on this little project, kind of side project called Snort SSP or the... And, uh, and what we did was we took some of the, some of the really key components of Snort 3 that Marty had been writing started some of the key components of Snort 2 are, and, and we decided what of the new Snort 3 can we put in Snort 2? So we put some of that stuff into Snort 2, like, uh, IP blacklisting, like, um, multiple threads, not in packet processing, but in like, you know, IP blacklisting and things like that. Cause that happens in multiple threads and like rule reloading that happens in a separate thread, all that kind of stuff. We took some of those concepts, we put them in the snort too. And, uh, all the rest of it, we just kind of left in this project called stored SSP. And, uh, we didn't touch it for a while. Um, cause we, like I said, we built a firewall, we built an endpoint agent, et cetera, et cetera. And we decided about five or six years ago to say, let's do this again. Let's start all over again. And what could, if we started from scratch, what would we do? And so, um, there was a coalition of the willing of about, you know, five or six people, um, that we all got in a room and we decided like, you know, let's use our imaginations. If we could start all over again with an IDS, what would we do? And that's what, and that's where store three came from. And so one of the things we decided was, you know, in store two today, if you want to do multiple packeting packet threads, you have to run an instance of store two on multiple CPUs, right? So say you have four CPUs, you have four copies of store running. Each one of those copies of store has its own, uh, store.com for configuration file, its own set of rules, its own set of write, everything, output the whole nine yards. It's a completely separate set of snort, set a, a copy of snort on each CPU. And what we would do is we would divide the traffic before it got to snort, right? And so we would basically, you know, do packet processing, packet, multiple packet processing, but outside of snort. And so uh, we decided one of the things we want to do is let's not do that anymore because it takes up a lot of memory, right? To have all of snort, you know, loaded all four copies of snort loaded all at the same time or hundreds of copies of snort loaded all at the same time and have all these, you know, configuration files and rules being stored in RAM. So we said, let's make one configuration file with one copy of the rules. And so that simplified the configuration down. Number one, number two, it saves a whole ton of RAM, which is super important. Um, we, uh, we worked and I mean, we being Cisco Talos, we worked very, very closely with the engineering team and we're like, Hey, if we could rewrite, how we write rules, how would we do it? And we did, we did that, right? We, we use the ability to, we simplify the rule language, you know, so we can say, you know, and I'll give you a perfect example. Like today, if we want to catch the malicious content of a file, right? Say something is inside of a Word document, we want to catch some malicious content inside of a Word document with an IPS, which by the way, is not the ideal way of doing it. The ideal way of doing it is with an endpoint agent. But if we want to do it with an IPS, we have to write three different rules, right? You have to write a rule that monitors the file being downloaded. You have to write a rule that monitors the file being received via email. You have to write a rule of the file going outbound, you know, sending it via email or web, right? And so there's three different rules you have to write there. 
And then, uh, you know, that's not even including the things like flow bits and being able to identify, you know, what type of file it is and stuff like that. So there's at least three rules that are involved. Um, what we wanted to do with sort three is why do we care about the direction of a rule? We don't, right? The only, the only reason that you care about the direction of a rule is contextuality is when you as an analyst is reviewing the alert and you want to see if the file was inbound or outbound. Well, you can tell that we don't have to write three separate rules for you to understand that we can do that differently. So we just invented Basically, when you write a rule now, it just says, or in sort three, sorry. When you write a rule in sort three, it just says alert file. That's it. We don't care about the direction. We don't care what protocol it's on. We don't care what, if you're using FTP or IMAP or SMTP or web, we don't care. We just look for the presence of a file, identify the fact that it is a file, and we inspect the file. It doesn't matter the direction. So that's super important. So that's a, that's a really good example of, of the simplification of the language. Um, of course, with, with, with new technologies such as like HTTP2, right? We had to add support for that. Of course, performance is a heck of a lot better, not only in saving in memory, but again, Sort 3 can do multiple packet processing threads, either the ability to run separate instances on a single core, or you can divide it across several cores, you know, several CPUs. Um, so we're able to do that. Um, and it's, it kind of, it scales, you know, linearly essentially. And, and that, that was super important. So, um, also we've kind of, uh, we put JSON logging in there for all of our, uh, elastic search Kibana friends, right. Kind of, so you can log snort directly to elastic and you can kind of use a whole bunch of a myriad of different tools to be able to analyze the events there. But there's just, there's a ton of, ton of things we did there. And that was the main thought around Start 3 is, is if we could blow this all up and implode it all and start all over again, how we do it. And that's what we did. And we also did, we also put it on GitHub, which is not something we did with Start 2. Um, for those of you that have been around the Start 2 project a long time, you'll remember that we used to have a CVS server for Start 2. And we cut that off at some point just because it was a pain in the butt to maintain and a whole bunch of other reasons. But with Start 3, we did all of our development in the open. It's on GitHub. And, and it's, it's licensed the same as Start 2. It has a GPL v2 license. You can go. You can check it out. You can fork it on GitHub. You can, you know, do all that. You can download it from start.org. Uh, but there's a whole bunch of tons of, ton of things that you can do here. We even made plugins easier for you to write. So you can write your own, your own codecs, your own inspectors, your own rule actions, loggers, the whole nine yards. So... Uh, Any, anybody super, else super feel cool. like Joel's about to sell us the undercoating too? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so for the low, low price of $69, you can get a pinstripe. I'll take stuff. seven <laughs> snores, please. That's right. Yes. What do I need for double stream inspection? <laughs> more, more than oh. one stream. Uh, yeah. That comes so. with the Talos threat feed, right? That's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> But is there a lot of difference in writing the rules in, in the beta, in the Snort 3 beta? Or is there somebody going to be able there to take a, make an easy transition from the existing rules and the way they're writing, the way they're working, and, and placing rules in different places? Is mm -hmm. it going to be a simple transition over to this new structure? Yes, and it's for two different ways. Number one, if you're familiar with writing Snort 2 rules, Snort 3 rules are not that much different. In fact, they're simpler. Um, so you just have to kind of relearn things a little bit. If... You don't want to relearn everything and you have an existing Snort 2 rule set. We provide a tool in the Snort 3 package that's called Snort to Lua. And what it will do is it will take your existing Snort 2 rules and will convert them to Snort 3 rules. So it's either way you want to go about it if you want to relearn how to do it. And it is very simple. Um, 
uh, or you want to just convert what you have or write a, store, a rule and start two and convert it over to start three. Um, you can do that. In fact, we publish a Stort 3 rule set for registered and subscriber rule sets, uh, users, I'm sorry, registered and subscriber rule set users on Stort.org. Um, and basically what we did was we converted Stort 2 to Stort 3 rules um, using our own tool. So we were bi- live testing it, eating our own dog food. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. What could yeah. go wrong? Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> of course, it's rock solid. That's right. beta yeah. means. So what are so, the, obviously there's performance gains to be had, right? Is is yeah. that one of the key focuses here for our customers who are using, you know, maybe using a, a larger deployment of Snort especially, are they going to realize significant, depl- uh, you know, significant gains in, in efficiency in terms of memory Absolutely. and power yeah. usage? Absolutely. I mean, so with the, the Firepower products, which is our commercial on, you know, the Cisco Firepower product line, which we, you know, that's the Snort is the core of that. We get, around 100 to 130 gigabyte a second in those boxes. And it might be even higher that now. It's just, that's the last time I knew is around 100, 130 gigabyte a second and within that. And uh, what we wanted to do is uh, obviously networks are not slowing down. They're only getting faster. So we have to, you know, push faster. And so, you know, Snort 3 was born. Is, is Snort 3 even on the roadmap, I mean, maybe we'll add this, maybe we want to just get it out there. Is Snort 3, is this on the roadmap for NGFW? I mean, to be included in the product set? It absolutely is. Um, I can't talk about what version, obviously, for, for obvious reasons. 27,000.0? Yeah, 27,000.0. <laughs> I, would, I would tell you that it's, um, it's a lot sooner than you would think, but it is, uh, um, it's definitely, we definitely have it running on product. And so if you catch uh, Joel and hit him hard enough, he might tell you. No, but if you give me <laughs> enough beer, I still won't tell you, but I'll challenge you to try. However, if you have tequila and Mountain Dew, you're probably Correct. in there. <laughs> probably okay. Uh, no, but it is, it is slated for, for a product release. Um, it is slated for an upcoming version. Um, but we have not released that to the public yet. And we, and we can't for obvious reasons. We're a publicly traded company. So. <laughs> What was That's my contribution to that? I'm going to take your bottle away and I'm going to throw it. <laughs> it would make the best noise on mic, wouldn't it? At you. Um, yep. So we, we are looking very, we're looking forward to it. We do want people, well, the difference between alpha and beta, which has been an alpha for the past two or three years, um, is not much to be quite honest with you, but we felt that beta was like a significant step. It, beta says, hey, we're ready. Download it. Take it apart run it uh, on your production environment. Tell us what you think. Argue with us if you think something's wrong. Open an issue in GitHub. That's the stuff we need to have. So it's all about making things better. And if you're, you know, if you're a C++ programmer, because Snort 3 is written in C++ as opposed to C, um, pop on over. Contribute some code if if you're so interested. So just out of curiosity, how many years of effort would you say this is? This particular iteration of Snort 3 uh, is about uh, four to five years of effort. Wow, that's impressive. And we, yeah, we, I mean, we've had tons of contributions from the community, right? There's people that do issues and pull requests against it. Um, and they've been doing so for years, but, you know, it's, it's now it's, you know, it's, it's in beta and we'd like people to, to get out there and use it. And, and the, and the response that we've had is overwhelming. It's great. I mean, we've got, you know, the, the amount of downloads that I've seen off of snort.org is absolutely fantastic. So I'm not going to a lot of people really excited about it on Twitter too. It's yeah. always fun when we have one of these open source projects 
that not only do we think is great that we get out there after all that hard work and effort and bug yep. fixing, but we see the community excited about it as well. So yep. I'm really, really excited to see where it goes and when we can finally exit the beta. We talked about this a little bit. We talked a little bit about the user perspective, uh, you know, gaining uh-huh. efficiencies and easy use there. What about from from more of the analyst perspective specifically? Um, okay. With the the rule set, writing the rules is way easier. Yeah, I mean, with the rules. I, mean, I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a presentation at um, Black Hat and DevCon at the Cisco booth on writing rules in Snort three that I thought was really really good. As an upcoming forward looking kind of statement, we're going to be doing lots of webinars around this. Um, probably one a month for the next twelve months. Uh, we're going to be putting out videos. We're going to be putting out white papers. I've got three white papers sitting here on my on my desktop, waiting to, to waiting to ship. So. Um, we'll be getting those out, you know, there's be a ton of content to prepare everybody. And one of the, one of the first pieces of content we're going to come across is a, a webinar about, Hey, you're using Stort two now. Here's how you use Stort three. Here's how to upgrade and let us know. So super exciting. Yeah. And I, I will totally have a 2995 ebook out on that before the end of the week. <laughs> <laughs> He's kidding. Uh, <laughs> is, he, is he really? <laughs> no, we're, we, in, we intend for a lot of this to, to, you know, basically it's the same model that we have for Stort 2 today, which is keep the engine free, you know, it, like Gillette, right? You give away the razor or you give away the handle and you charge for the blades, right? That's what we're doing is you give away the engine. We're I don't think that's the how their business set. model works. That's exactly how their business model works. Those handles cost like twenty bucks. No way, man! You're buying you're buying them. You can, yeah, you can buy the <laughs> handle with like the starter blade and maybe one extra for like really really cheap. But you go to buy the yeah. blades. A five pack of the blades cost seven times Correct. what the razor and two blades cost. No. Mm-hmm. Hmm. We're not exactly doing that, but that's, I'm, that's and the I'm definitely model. the guy to ask about razor prices because I obviously <laughs> go through so many. Your, your baby face, yeah. I was like, Craig and I are the guys to be debating this. The two guys who haven't yeah. seen a razor in God knows how many years. <laughs> hey, Don't I shaved like right here a little bit. Yeah, I can literally use the same razor for damn near a year just to like trim up the lines. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, guys. Bill and I got this. You two sit down. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, I know we were, we were, we were going to keep it a little bit shorter today. So I do want to go around the table before we close up shop on on this episode and give everybody a chance for a, a parting shot, a closing thought. Uh, we can go in the same order that we did last okay. time, just because it's kind of funny to watch Bill squirm, especially because he's been so damn talkative this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll go. I will say um, it kind of piggybacks a little off what Joel was talking about, a couple of different things, the mentorship and then just kind of the community aspect. Um uh, for those of you who follow me around, you know, I love my job. I love Talos uh, as a team and all that stuff. One of the things I've had uh, happen lately that has been really fun is that I've been able to meet a lot of young people that are in the cybersecurity industry, threat research, things like that. Um, people here. I was wondering where you were going with that. Yeah. And then people also like from, you know, from like external companies that I've met and talked with and stuff like that. People from different countries like Japan and things like that. And I guess the overarching thing that I had to say is that the kids are all right. Like, it's really <laughs> like a really good They're, group of kids young are people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like everyone's everyone talks about black cloud stuff all the time and all those different variables. But I've had really great experiences recently with young people in the industry and kind of coming up and they're really bright and really uh, smart and and things are going really well as an industry in that way. And so I don't know. It's just kind of been 
um, a good couple of months where I've worked with a lot of young people that have really kicked a lot of ass. And so for yeah. all of you guys that I met out there and, and have worked with and talked with and stuff like that, keep on kicking ass. It's been really great experience lately. So, yeah, it was super cool. I, 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 you know, I had a good time at the, at the mentorship thing last night with the university of Maryland and it was, it was super fun. It was cool being able to be like, wow, these guys just got out of high school like yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know, they're super interested in cybersecurity and they're super interested in what they're going to do. And it, I just, it was really cool. Yeah. I've had great experiences the same way. Just really smart kids really after it. Yep. So, uh, Craig, let's go with you next. Please, please, everyone listen to me. Stop putting things on the internet that don't belong there. You know, like, in order like to get dog clothes, treat tossing robots. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> like how immediately somebody started calling me like, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the robots, dude. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, they're like... I get it for some things, right? Like maybe you want a vacation camera to see your house or something. I, 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 whatever, man. It's a bad idea, but your call. But your washer, really? You can't move the clothes over remotely? Like what the- Really? I just, you know, there's certain things that shouldn't be on the internet and you're not going to update it. You know you won't, so don't put it on there. And vendors, come on. What are you doing? Do you really want to maintain that product for 10 years? Do you really want to keep making firmware updates? Smarten up. Uh, I just, I still don't even get the point. I mean, like I looked at the apps. All it does is tell mm-hmm. you when it's time to run the cleaning cycle on the washer, basically. And like what the temperature of the dryer is like who it, it's either dry or it's not. Who cares what the temperature? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> could not care less. Like I could not. There is no less to care. Yeah. <laughs> Things I don't want nagging me. Constant yes, reminders correct. about my laundry. <laughs> Like God, it's like it's like you know you're you're gonna allow every device in your home to bother you whenever it wants your attention. Like oh, no, thank you. Sounds terrible, Joel. What's going on? Uh, you know things are just great and wonderful, and all things are wonderful, and it's great. Again, <laughs> I'd like to give myself a great pat on the back for for showing up this week, and uh, you know talking the entire oh podcast, my God. and. Uh, I really look forward to having Nigel back. Uh, Nigel had some uh, bionic surgery. Dude. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Nigel had some bionic surgery, so unfortunately he's not able to to be Does he have an IP address now? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us today. Uh, Thank you, Bill, for joining us one more time. Of course. Hopefully next episode we will have our, our standard cast of characters back and and we'll see you guys then. Yeah, Joel will be happy because Joel will be on, hopefully. Yes, Joel will be very happy <laughs> with himself. 